Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. It's not that the Detroit Red Wings are picking fourth. It's not that a team that had 17 wins in 71 games doesn't qualify for a top three spot. It doesn't even matter that the league's anti-tanking lottery doesn't prevent tanking even in the slightest. It's that Alexi Lafreniere is going to a playoff team. And I don't care about the semantics of it's technically not the playoffs. You are playing a best of series to advance towards the Stanley Cup. It's the playoffs. The fact that I can sit here and definitively say there is 0% chance the Detroit Red Wings, the worst team in the NHL in probably the last 20 years, cannot get Alexi Lafreniere, but the Pittsburgh Penguins, Toronto Maple Leafs, and Edmonton Oilers can. That is the crux of it. That is the reason I am as angry as I am. That is the reason I spouted off on Twitter last night about the NHL and their jokes. Listen, I'm not going to sit on a high horse and pretend I wouldn't have been angry if the Detroit Red Wings picked first and uh, fourth and say the Ottawa Senators picked first. I'd have been salty. I'd have not liked it. I'd have still complained about the regular stupid draft lottery. But a playoff team. <laughs> yeah, our reaction was good. Did I don't know how I was re- so far ahead of you guys on the stream. It's cuz I don't know your illegal stream was better than us watching on Sportsnet somehow. Yeah, I don't know what was going on, but uh I I tried my best not to ruin it, but I honestly couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> keep it in. <laughs> did you see the I, remix video Adam made? Yeah, I did. I couldn't keep it in like this is not the chaos I signed up for. <laughs> Look, Look, uh, my show notes for this episode, I, I keep our episode notes and I usually break it down like intro, topic one, subnotes, topic two, subnotes, topic three, subnotes. My show notes are, it's one topic, it's draft lottery, and it's all just like broken ass system for Red Wings, team E bullshit, being petty and ranking who we think should get Lafreniere, talking about who the hell is going to go fourth overall, I don't know. I read those verbatim, by the way. <laughs> and then I wrote a million Patreon questions. Th- that's going to be the whole show. We were recording this a day early. Um, we would have done it last night, but I had about 12 and a half gallons of beer to drink. Um, Evan, I think, collapsed along screaming when the placeholder pick came up. And uh, Brad just sprinted in a straight line, and we had to wait for him to circumnavigate the globe once before getting back to his house. It's so- 96 minutes. This is our this is our first emerge like emergency pod in a while because we didn't even do it for Eisenman because we couldn't we had to wait until Sunday uh, emergency we bumped it up a day it's <laughs> it's not like we went way out of our way to do this and I I'm glad honestly I'm happy we didn't record last night when like emotions were at like an all time high and, and forming cognitive thoughts was a problem. And, and it would have just been a pure emotional episode. The 24 hour sense has given it time to settle, to digest, to fully 
take emotion out of it and comprehend what just happened. And that 24 hours has allowed me to realize it's even dumber than I originally thought. So it's, it's going to make for better content. Uh, (laughs) I have more reasons than I originally thought as to why this is stupid and how this ruins hockey for everybody. Um, except for like eight teams, it's, it's farcical. It's absurd. It's the NHL shitting all over itself and they deserve it. The only good thing to come of all of this is it encourages Brad to expand his vocabulary, to find more ways to call the NHL stupid. So for that, we thank you (laughs) (laughs) because that might be the first time anyone's uttered the word farcical in this podcast. And I would not have bet that it would have been you. (laughs) Here we are. Like I said, I can go on coherent, angry rants tonight, which would not have happened last night. You said it perfectly, Brad. Like we're not going to, we're not going to bullshit here. Like we're, we would have been pissed off if and when the Red Wings picked fourth and, you know, like LA or Ottawa or New Jersey or whoever picked first, like that would have been the case. Of course, we're Red Wings fans. This is, this is the worst team in a long time. Everything that Brad just said is right. But at the end of the day, we would have, our, our issue would have been with the system that was broken inherently and that we knew about coming into this. But the fact that the this the league's contrived solution, which is so obviously now, like they they manufactured a situation where um, it wasn't one individual play in team, like none of those placeholder teams existed in a vacuum or on their own. They were all lumped together, right? Because they weren't assigned to one team. So by default, the the uh, two best lottery odds were Ottawa at twenty five percent to get Lafreniere, cumulative between their picks and San Jose's. And then all of the eight placeholder teams had a 24.5% chance, and then Detroit at 18.5%. So the league didn't even go back to what the norm was. And, and that's been something that's been thrown at us. They're like, oh, but this is what it's been all year. No, it wasn't, because those were supposed to be eight individual teams. If Team E was Columbus or Winnipeg or whoever, then great, they win. And it's a bullshit system still. I th- still think it's stupid that they can jump that high and that th- there's three different draws and the Red Wings get bumped to fourth, but whatever. No, they created a pool, and now the NHL gets a second lottery. They get the ratings for it, and you know the Chicago's and the Montreal's and all these teams that are likely to lose. They still get to pump the hell out of them to market them because they get they're now in the second lottery, and the friend is probably going to go there. And the NHL is winning. I'm not saying it's rigged. That that's literally not what I'm saying. I'm saying the NHL is not upset about the situation they created, where the 24 and a half percent chance, which is by all rights the exact same as the best odds that the Senators had which was lucky that that was even the case. They're not upset about that. They're not upset about that. And they're thrilled about the ratings, despite the fact that they made a sacrifice to long-term parity in the game for short-term gain, which they could have had if they did the early June draft. Not even under the, the lottery system that was brought up before, where it was, of course, egregiously beneficial to Detroit. They could have adjusted that still done that lottery early and done the draft early and their ratings still would have been through the roof because people just want to watch any sports right now. It doesn't need to be, oh, we made a game show out of the uh, NHL draft lottery and now Lafreniere is going to a team that might win the freaking cup this year. So I'm going to diverge a little bit from how awful the lottery system is because we're going to get there. What I want to touch on before everybody who's not a fan of the Red Wings listening tunes out. If 
you are in a position of going, oh, it's not that bad. You're being dramatic. Like, I know we are, but we have every right to be. Um, This ruins the play-in round. This taints what should be an exciting round of playoff hockey to get into the air quotations playoffs because our team's going to want to win now because no matter what, there's going to be an air of are the Montreal's and Chicago's of the world going to tank in a playoff series to get a 12 and a half percent chance at Lafreniere. I, they won't, I know they won't no self-respecting hockey player is going to go on the ice and tank, not the players. Not the players. And it won't happen. And I think it would be way too obvious if Carey Price came down with a mysterious injury like two weeks before the playoffs. I, I don't think anybody would buy that. It's, But what it does is it puts that thought in everybody's head where if a player actually does get injured, we go, yeah, but it that it won't, as logical as it is to believe that they are not doing conspiracy, everybody's going to have that part of their brain going, Oh, that's suspicious. Like if Brendan Gallagher takes a puck to the face or the throat and practice one day and then can't play because his lung collapsed or something, everybody be like, yeah, but did that really happen? It, it, it taints it. And then for us, we can no longer, I can't enjoy half the series in the playing round. I'm stupid excited to watch hockey. I've been talking about this for months. I think the playing round's stupid, but I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. It's hockey. I'm going to enjoy it, but I can't anymore. What it's fun. Hockey's fun for two reasons. A, you get to cheer for the teams you like, and you get to cheer against the teams you don't like. I have to cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playing round now, because I would rather have them win against Columbus and lose against Boston or Tampa, or whoever in a round then have to deal with them getting Alexi Lafreniere for the next 10 years. I have to have the same thought with Montreal. I have to have the same thought with Florida. I Division rivals now, we want to win, and it sucks. And anybody who's like, oh, I'm not a fan of the Red Wings. If you are a New York Islanders fan, for example, congratulations, you're now cheering for the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Rangers to win their series. How does that feel? Okay. Imagine this, because <clears throat> I, I I was still uh, back on my point where people are saying there was no disproportionate advantage to the play-in teams, because you still do get a lot of that. Not really from Red Wings fans, obviously. There's a whole lot of bias going on there. I call it common sense, but agree to disagree if you do. Um, fans of uh, other teams have always come at, come at us and say, the play-in round is an extra series that you have to win, so is it really a concerted advantage, or is it the last 12 games of the se- season being played out? The obvious answer to that is no, it's a freaking playoff series, and they're calling it something else, but still. If you're a play-in team, which do you choose? You don't get to do these, uh, you don't get shoehorned into these playoffs, like your Chicago or Montreal. You don't get shoehorned into these playoffs, and you have, at best, a 6% chance of winning the draft lottery and at worst, I think it's 1% chance and it goes up in like 0.5 increments for the most part. Those are, that's what the last eight teams are. So like two and a half percent chance is the one that won the draft lottery, for example, would you prefer that? Or would you prefer to be in the play in and then you get a 24 and a half percent chance at having a 12 and a half percent chance in the next lottery? I think this is like the first time I've ever really agreed with Brian Burke. Did you see what his, his quote was? I pulled yep. it up here because I was I was going back through some of the stuff that came out. 
And uh, he was quoted as saying, tonight it should have been the seven teams that are not in the play-in round. Give the teams that need the most help the best players. I think this result is nothing short of a disgrace, end quote. He's right. And that's just going back to the fundamental lottery because getting back to Ryan's point about the playing team, what do we say? Three weeks ago on this podcast, if we were the Montreal Canadiens, we would have rather have been in the draft lottery than to get trounced by Pittsburgh in the first round. That was when they had normal lottery odds, which were less than 12 and a half percent. Well, less than less than half of that. Yeah. And now, (laughs) of course, they're going to have incentive to want that as as a fan base. Again, I'm not saying the players are going to tank this at all. Most of these guys know that anybody in the bottom six is like, yeah, if we get Lafreniere, I lose my job uh, (laughs) because he's taking my spot. So, of course, they're not going to do that. But it's it's staggering. So. I want to get to another point too, because obviously I ha- my, my two most liked tweets of all time came out last night. Sorry, Mika. <laughs> um, by the way, 3000 Twitter notifications over the last 24 hours. Uh, so I can't even, I can't even, my phone I love you guys so right. much. And I, I am so sorry. I know I'm normally pretty good at responding to, um, my replies, but yeah, there was zero chance I was going to get to all of them. And I, I love you guys for that. But so one other thing I want to get, to before we get too far down some other rabbit holes is one of the things all the detractors who were coming after me on Twitter for last night was oh the Red Wings tanked you guys don't deserve this no team has ever been this bad this honestly as the 2019-20 Detroit Red Wings they made the playoffs for 25 straight years and even for the last couple years to the dismay of Red Wings fans who could see the bottom falling out of this very soon and said, you know what? Let's just start the rebuild now and get over with it. The Red Wings held on as long as they possibly could, trading, giving up draft picks for barely passable NHLers at the deadline, extending aging vets who were very obviously not that good anymore to awful contracts just to keep the playoff streak going. And then the first year they missed the playoffs, still tried, just didn't get there. And then obviously as the Darren Helms, Luke Glendennings, Justin Ablocators of the world aged as the Pavel Datsuks, Henrik Zetterbergs retired, they just got bad. It happens. And then you can say they tanked this year. Well, Danny DeKaiser got knocked out for this season in the first month. Anthony Mantha, arguably their best player behind Jonathan Bernier this year, missed 20 games. Um, Like they traded for Robbie Fabry in the middle of the season. They acquired one of their top forwards mid-season and that thus improving the team. The Red Wings didn't tank. Yes, they were awful, but they were awful honestly. And that's not even getting into the argument that tanking is necessary under this stupid system. But that leads me to my ultimate point. Whether or not the Red Wings tank doesn't goddamn matter because this system's broken. Teams tank in every single league. It's not like an NHL only problem. Teams tank everywhere. And it's a strategy that teams can use to quicken the, 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 the rebuild. And in any other league, that is true. But in the NHL, it makes it worse because the Red Wings now, based on this result, like let's not sugarcoat it. They're going to be getting a, a great to elite level player at pick four. But in all likelihood, that player doesn't play for the Red Wings next year. So do you know what the Red Wings are doing again next year? By definition, <laughs> tanking. 
We could guess be what worse they, next year. Yeah, and guess what? If they don't get the top pick next year, guess what they're doing the year after that? Tanking. And guess what Buffalo has been doing forever? Guess what Edmonton had to do forever? Guess what Toronto had to do to it forever? How do you think they got Nylander, Marner, Matthews, Riley? It wasn't because they got draft lottery luck. It's because they had to tank over and over and over and over again until they either finally got the first overall pick or they, cu- they cumulatively got enough top five to 10 picks that they had no choice, but to be good. It you know ends tanking quicker. Getting first, getting overall. the first pick. <laughs> Do you know what makes the Red Wings better next year? Lafreniere. You want the Red Wings to stop tanking. Guarantee them a top two pick. Like Byfield could come in. Stutzler could come in. This system is designed to prevent tanking. And all it does is make the bad teams tank longer by giving teams that don't need these prospects. The New York Rangers got Capo Caco. The Carolina Hurricanes got Andre Svechnikov. The Dallas Stars got Miro Haskinen. The Philadelphia Flyers got Nolan Patrick. None of those teams were near the basement when they got them. And guess what? All those teams are good now. All the teams that won the draft lottery, the Edmonton Oilers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Buffalo, we're sorry. Uh, <laughs> New Jersey hasn't had enough time yet. They, they are good. The Pittsburgh Penguins hit four straight top two picks, and they've been a dynasty ever since. This system is backwards for what the NHL is trying to do. Because do not get me wrong. If you can find a system, and I I don't have the answer here, but if you can find a system that actively prevents tanking, I'd be for it. Because yeah, I don't want to see what happened in 2015 where Buffalo and Arizona are playing each other and the fans are cheering against their own team. That is bad for hockey. But until you fix it... I know the gold plan is the ultimate answer here, but that's way too radical for the NHL as much sense as it makes. Well, this current system is an overcorrection for that 2014-2015 season where Arizona and Buffalo had their their (laughs) tankathon. And and that was a weird year where there were literal two franchise-changing players at the top of the draft. Two. It had McDavid and Eichel. Most drafts are not like that. I like Quentin Byfield a lot. I like Tim Stutzla a lot. They're not Jack Eichel. This is not the same thing. That was rare. There were teams on the precipice of collapse. And yeah, of course they were going to tank. Now all you're going to get is more teams tanking and tanking for longer. So if you're going to say the Red Wings tanked, A, you're wrong. The rich get richer. Yeah. If you're going to say they tanked, (laughs) you're wrong. And if you say they shouldn't tank, you're also wrong. It's this is stupid. We, we are as Red Wings fans, we are living through a death by a thousand cuts right now. And the part that gets me is like, okay, if your definition of tanking is that any given year you're not trying your damnedest to get better and make the playoffs, sure, that's what Steve Eisenman did. But at the same time, if everyone stayed healthy and Eisenman, you know, made the Fabry trade and Perlini turned out better, and he even traded for like one or two guys who played better. The Red Wings would still be the worst team in the league. There was no iteration of this team that was going to be anything other than last. And you know how that came about? Years of Ken Holland doing exactly what these people on their high horses are saying teams should do, which is mortgage futures to make yourself better now 
at the cost of your long-term success because in the modern NHL, you cannot survive by doing that. Ken Holland did it probably at ownership's direction for the better part of a decade, and it has destroyed this team to the point where it's at the lowest point any franchise in the NHL has been in a long, long time. And it's so bad that last night, all one of our first thoughts as a group here was that we are going to be in this lottery for the next two years at least. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I I hate this. So this is where my mentality is at right now. After last night, and I hate this. Do you know what my focus is on as a Red Wings fan right now? Other than, obviously, who we're going to take fourth overall this year. Grand Rapids? <laughs> no. Shane Wright. Shane Wright. Suck for two more years. Tank for two more years. Let's go for the next... Uh, possibly near McDavid level superstar. And that's Shane Wright's projecting to be better than Alexi Lafreniere. Screw it all in. Cause next year's draft sucks. Like it doesn't suck, but it's, it does not have the top end talent. Most drafts do this next draft is going to be very reminiscent of the 2017 draft where he sure and Patrick went first overall. And I'm not betting there's a Kale McCarr and Elias Pedersen coming behind them. It is. And that's uh, that's just far more damning to the team and to fans than one year of a hard tank. Like next year, we have no hope. I know that sounds so dramatic, but it's true. We we aren't getting like okay. Imagine last night we get first or second. We are ecstatic for Detroit's next season because both those players are most likely on the roster, and we have something to look forward to, and that leads to. All the ticket sales and the buildings full, getting excited again. Like we have general excitement or genuine excitement. But now, unless an absolute miracle happens that we hit on guys this round or this year that come out of nowhere or uh, somebody makes the cam- a team out of camp or some of our other prospects make it from years past that we weren't really expecting, like we're getting essentially the same iteration of the Red Wings that we had this year. And who's going to want to go to those games? Who's going to want to buy jerseys? Who's going to want to do anything other than listen to three schmucks <laughs> cry on a podcast? And obviously, we're being a bit over dramatic. I am excited to watch Philip Zadina and Mo Sider and Michael Rasmussen next year. But, but I know the pain's not over. And that's the problem is we're going to have the conversation all year of, with the exception of maybe Zadina, should they even be there? Because that Steve Eisenman made it very clear this year, he did not want his top press prospects anywhere near this dumpster fire because uh, Hiroshi, Rasmussen, Chalosky, um, Valeno, Cider, I could keep going on the list, spent almost the entire season in Grand Rapids. And there's no way you can justify saying that at least two or three of those guys shouldn't have been in the lineup over vets in Detroit, but they didn't want them anywhere near this team. Zadina started in Grand Rapids until he played so well, the Red Wings didn't have a choice. It This system is broken and it needs to be fixed and it's going to keep compounding the problem because do you know, I'm sitting here as talking as a Red Wings fan in this draft lottery. Uh, do you know who else is going to be a dumpster fire next year? Ottawa. Uh, if you I'm know, Ottawa, I'm still you know happy to have two picks in the top five. That was because it could have been better. That was because their GM made a bold trade and it worked out. Like that happens. That Ottawa should have been rewarded. They're for, still in the top three, so yeah, that's sh- a, sh- a silver lining for them. 
yeah, and it helps, but it's not by it's not one or two. It's not Alexi Lafreniere. It's not a franchise changer for them. Anaheim got no help here. New Jersey got no help here. Buffalo got no help here. You think any of those teams are going to be good next year? No. But do you know who might get substantially better next year? Pittsburgh, Toronto, or Edmonton. It's I think, it's I think staggering. for me, there's just a bit too much randomness involved in a draft or a, in a, a, a league's draft where the draft has such influence on the direction of a team. Like the best way to build your team. Exactly. Like the best way to rebuild your team is through the draft. It's very, very difficult to construct a team with UFAs. So the amount of randomness needs to be drastically reduced because the whole point is to get the bad teams out of the bottom and create parity. At no point. Should the future success of your franchise be this heavily predicated on luck? Exactly. Be- because you can't go in because, oh, there's two arguments that I'm seeing over and over again that are driving me nuts. Oh, the Colorado Avalanche went from uh, last to fourth and got Kale McCarr. Oh, in 1983, when teams didn't scout Europe, the Red Wings got Steve Eisenman at number four because the scouting department was uh, the GM's uncle named Bill hacking darts at a junior game and said, yeah, this guy looks all right. It's okay. One, go back and look at that uh, 2017 draft where the Avs got Kale McCarr. You redraft that. You're not getting a Kale McCarr level player at four anymore because the top three is Pedersen, McCarr, and Heiskanen. Yeah. So we would Heister get at four, which is a great player. But do you know what Nico Heischer doesn't do? And as the Devils have proven, he doesn't change your franchise. He's not a franchise changer. So you can't blame teams picking poorly, no matter the circumstance, on why a good player went later than he should. You always have to assume the draft's going to go from one to. 200 in the exact order it should because scouting gets better and better over time. I'm aware that's not going to happen and I'm aware there's a lot of guesswork to scouting, but you have to assume that until proven otherwise five years down the road. Because don't get me wrong, I'm sitting here, I know the Red Wings are getting a great player at four. I've been saying, we've been saying for 10 months, this is a great draft to be guaranteed a top four pick. Well, it's like, like you buy a brand new car, you know, you, you've lived through with your, your beater for how many years and you're so happy about it. And then all of a sudden your neighbor pulls up with a brand new Porsche. Yeah. It's like, well, I want the Porsche. You guys, you guys work <laughs> at the same place. You guys work at the same place. Yeah. And you're pulling up with a Porsche. It's and like, you've well, been working there longer. <laughs> yeah, but this guy was employee of the month for six months in a row and he gets the Porsche. That's not they fair. Give, they give them lunch hours and you get fucking five minutes to. <laughs> yeah. And I'm eating crayons in the staff room. I, I've seen a, a couple things and eventually we will move on to stuff. That's not just, you know, all of us uh, pouring our hearts out. Um, I've seen oh. a couple things. <laughs> One of them is that Red Wings fans are only upset because um, uh, Lafreniere or because a, a, a playoff or play in team depending on how much of a bootlicker you want to be um won first overall but uh, okay yeah the red wings are already coming into a shitty situation any you sensible red wings team of course we're mad <laughs> we need it more than them the red wings any sensible red wings fans would have told you yeah the math says we're going to be picking fourth today and we're preemptively pissed about it that doesn't mean we can't have hope 
But we sure hope it doesn't turn into a situation where it's like cutting us, rubbing salt in the wound, and then kicking us in the same wound. That's what it was yesterday. So yeah, they can be mad, and this does compound that anger. And even though we've talked about this ad nauseum before the draft, because everything we've said now is not the first time we've said it on this podcast, or to our relatives, or on Twitter, or to passersby in the street, no, it's not. But it's made worse and brought to the surface again by the absolute pants-on-head idiocy that happened yesterday. Secondly, the argument of... Red Wings fans have had 25 years of success. They don't deserve first overall. Hmm. 25 years of success laid on the foundation of the Red Wings drafting and developing nearly every single superstar that was on their team. They drafted the second best defenseman of all time in the later rounds. They drafted one of the most talented puck handlers of all time in round six or seven. Henrik Zetterberg was a seventh round pick, was it? I can't remember. Something after five. The best pick they had was Steve Eisman at four. That was that was the core of that franchise over those years. Yeah, you can point to 2002 and look at the year they bought that team. Okay, first of all, a lot of those guys that they bought were aging. The only real, like, this guy was playing at the top of his game was Dominic Hasek at the time. But still, okay, okay count 2002. The Red Wings earned their success all of those years. They were a model franchise. So how are you more mad at the Red Wings then Buffalo, who's letting Jack Eichel waste away over there. Or Edmonton, where Connor McDavid has won one playoff series. One single playoff series. The best player on the planet since Sidney Crosby stepped on the ice. Has won one playoff series. Where Jack Hughes sucked last year in New Jersey. Playing next to another first overall pick. But people are mad at Red Wings fans? I'm sorry, man. Like, I'm biased. I know this is a biased take. Like... Fans of other teams are going to hear this and be like, this guy's a joke. Like, he's biased. I am. But at some point, I cannot look at this through anything other than rose-colored lenses because there's – why would a team – why are fans not allowed to be angry or upset when they've had the better part of a decade of just garbage now? And it's garbage, and then every time they 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 get knocked down, instead of a helping hand to pick them up from the league, which is what most other teams are getting, they're getting a kick in the stomach. I'm done. I'm sorry. You know, and Red Wings fans, under this draft lottery format, have legitimately the most reason to be angry because no team over the last four draft lotteries since this system has been implemented has fallen more spots than the Detroit Red Wings. Nine. Out of a possible 12, they have fallen back nine spots when the max they could have fallen back was 12. In 2017, they went from six to nine. That one's a little wonky because only two teams behind them dropped behind them, but the NHL shoehorned Vegas in front of them as well. So they fell three spots to ninth. In 2018, they fell two spots from four to six. Hey, we got Phillips Zadina. We got lucky to get Phillips and Dina. Don't think the NHL has anything to do with that. In 2019, praise be, we only fell one spot just to go the next year and fall back three. It is insanity that a team that bad for that long can fall backwards every year. So even if you're like, hey, the NHL doesn't need to help you. Fair enough. Could you ask them to stop hurting us then? Yeah, I think I would have been like pretty more okay with everything if the teams who needed uh, the first overall pick got it. So let's say Ottawa got it. Literally anyone else. 
When I thought Buffalo it was going to be LA, it. I was like, yeah, fine, give it to LA. Who cares? Yeah, like if if there was none of these playing teams in the top three, I think I'd be completely fine. Like if it was Ottawa, if it was LA, if it was Buffalo, like I honestly wouldn't have cared because I pretty much already knew there was a coin flip to get fourth. But when you see the list of teams that can get this pick and the teams in that list who should be good for the better part of the next five plus years um that's kind of where the rage and the the pain starts to settle in over the last four nhl draft lotteries in every single one of them a team outside the bottom 10 has won one of the top three lottery spots Broken so system. we are literally giving it gifting nearly good teams because if a team just misses the playoffs that means they're literally almost playoff caliber we are giving them the benefit rich get richer bowen byram alex turcott cody glass alexi lafreniere Quentin Byfield, Tim Stutzla. The last three have an asterisk next to them because it hasn't happened yet. But those are all of the players drafted within the range that Detroit would have been in at the uh, based on the position they were in at the end of the season that they got bounced out of due to this lottery system. No, they weren't cheated out of them, but the system should have never put them in this situation. All of this compounded by the fact that now a team that is playing for the Stanley Cup is going to win Alexi Lafreniere. If they won pick two, this rage would be quartered for this episode and we'd already be on other stuff. We would already be well into talking about who who the Red Wings could pick at fourth overall. Oh, I'd still be angry. I would still be angry, but this isn't the first time we've talked about this. The, the NHL, again, has created a situation where they felt that they've had to desperately salvage buzz and excitement at the expense of the seven teams that needed this the most and at the expense of long-term parity. Instead of parity, now they have parity. Ha, 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 Thank ha. you. I am very proud of that line. Um, but, yeah, well, it is it is what it is. This The NHL is the uh, guy pretending to give money to a homeless man to take a picture and put it on social media. All right. Um, because I'm an asshole, uh, before the podcast, I posted, I made a tiered ranking on Twitter of a purely subjective, 100% biased, petty list of teams where I thought Alexi Lafreniere should go. Because personally, I want Alexi Lafreniere to go to the least marketable team in the NHL, just so Gary Bettman doesn't get his. Um, and I separated the the list into four tiers, um, and they are from the uh, best to the least desirable um, landing spots. Rooting for you. All right. Not the worst. No, you don't need him. And the last one is cancel the NHL. So of the 16 teams in rooting for you, I had Arizona, Winnipeg, Minnesota, and Nashville, who I kind of think I should have changed with Columbus. In all right, not the worst, I have Calgary, Columbus, Carolina, and the Islanders, and no, you don't need him. I have the Rangers, the Panthers, and the Canucks. And in cancel the NHL, I have the Leafs, the Blackhawks, the Penguins, the Oilers, and because only because I'm petty, the Canadians. Well, obviously, the Leafs, the Canadians belong in cancel the NHL because they're in our division. Chicago and Pittsburgh, for obvious reasons. Um, compared to your list, I'm taking Edmonton out of cancel the NHL. You're high. And I'm putting uh, 
and I'm putting them in rooting for you because I want the NHL to realize how stupid they are. And out of all the teams that I actually could stomach getting Lafreniere and still get the pettiness of watching the NHL realize their insanity, the Oilers are the one because they're out West. They're a team I generally tend to like. McDavid will get his cup if that happens. There you go. Um, I'm with you on Arizona, Minnesota, Nashville in rooting for you because uh, I'd like him to go to a small market so the NHL loses out on all their revenue, uh, marketing revenue. I'd also put Columbus in there because they've earned it, quite honestly. They went balls to the wall last year, and I think they should be rewarded for that. Yep. Um, Islanders, Calgary, yeah, all right, not the worst is probably accurate. I would put the Rangers in there as well just because I want to see the scenario where they win the cup and uh, get... Lafreniere with like Carolina's pick or something, or I forget how that works. Florida and Vancouver are too good to be in this. So yeah, I I agree with you there. Look, it is completely petty to say you hope he goes to a small market team, but if the NHL is going to make this kind of, you know, low long-term risk, high, sorry, low long-term reward, high risk bet. I hope, I hope it works against them because the only good that can be drawn from this kind of system long-term is that it it causes the NHL to wake up and tear the system down and restart it. I'm not a give it, it put it in reverse order uh, person. I think there needs to be some mechanism in there to just stop a team from giving up. My ideal plan would be the gold plan. But like you said, Brad, that's far too radical. I Go mean, to a system. It's simple. Points gained in the standings after mathematically eliminated. The bad teams get the advantage because they get a head start. It makes a ton of sense to me, but I, yeah, the NHL will never do it. And it literally, literally prevents tanking because those teams are then forced to try and win hockey games. I, they'll never do it, No, but it's the only way. The but then at the very way. least, at the very least, change the system so you can only move up a certain number of spots. I don't care what number you pick, no higher than 10 if you want to be stupid about it. Um, and one winner. One winner, man. There's no reason why the Red Wings should not still be able to pick the second best player in this draft. There's no reason why teams should be bumped down three spots. The amount of value lost from pick one to pick four is wild. We are talking about years taking off a rebuild if the Red Wings got Lafreniere. Years. At least one year. And you know what one year means? Ask the owner of these franchises what one year means when you just built a brand new damn arena with public funds and you have no butts in the seats. Ask them what one year of no more excitement means. Or one year uh, earlier of having excitement restored after years of no excitement. This isn't a game. These are... (sighs) Anyways. Anyways... There's going to be plenty said to be said about this. The Patreon comments are going to uh, elaborate more. That's far from all of our thoughts on it, but maybe let's move on to um, the fourth overall pick, which after all of that, you might be thinking, well, you guys are going to hate this pick. No, the Red Wings, this is the least bad year ever to pick fourth overall. The Red Wings are going to have a swath of players who, whoever they pick by all rights, should be the Red Wings' best prospect, and that is including Zadina and Mo Sider. And they can go in a lot of different directions here. And even the talking heads like us can't complain because there are so many good options to pick from. Oh, we can complain. But yeah, no, there's there's so many good. And um, 
And there's so many galaxy brain scenarios out there about how the Red Wings could end up with Byfield and Stutzla, but some of them actually make a little bit of sense. So that that's still very much on the table. But general consensus is the top three will be Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla. So that who does that leave for the Red Wings? So my personal preference right now, not by a large margin, but my personal preference would be Lucas Raymond. The Mitch Marner-like, just internationally dominant, already playing in the top Swedish men's league winger. Just creative, high scoring, high assists. I mean, unbelievable East-West player. Not bad off the rush. Go look at his goal against, his first goal against Russia in the U18 gold medals when he had the hat trick and the OT winner to beat Russia and Yaroslav Askolovsk. Askarov in that tournament it's just comical what he did to the defenseman that poor defenseman who's going to live on that highlight reel for the rest of his life <laughs> and um, again he to me Lucas Raymond not only and and let me say this because a lot of people are like well why do you have Raymond against Drys- ahead of Drysdale or Rossi or this I think he's a better player than them am I fully positive of that no of course not if anybody was ever positive of that they'd be the number one scout in the NHL for the team that's willing to pay him the most But in my opinion, Lucas Raymond is the best player available at number four. And it just so happens that I think he's the type of player the Red Wings have the biggest need for because they lack an elite playmaker to get Mantha and Zadina and company the puck. Larkin's good at it, but that's not his specialty either. So I'm very big on Lucas Raymond. And if you're going to sit here and tell me, I don't want Lucas Raymond, I want Marco Rossi. Oh, I would, I could absolutely see that argument. The elite two way, um, high energy, highly competitive, high motor, creative centerman who can score, set up plays and still be responsible because he's always billed as a two way player. And I hate that that immediately makes people think, Oh, well, he's not like elite offensively. No, that's wrong. Rossi is elite offensively. Uh, he's an overager for this draft. He's an 01 birthday, but he put up cartoonish numbers in the OHL this year. He was like 2.14 points per game and led the entire CHL in scoring. Just ridiculous. So he's five foot nine, but he doesn't play like he's five foot nine. And I should mention that Lucas Raymond is only like an inch or two taller, but also doesn't play like he's that small. So those two are top of my mind uh, for pick four. Then you have Jamie Drysdale, the unbelievably gifted skater um, who has offensive upside, defensive upside, can play any situation, play it well, also undersized. So he's only five foot 11. Um, I have him at six on my personal rankings, not because of positional or anything. I just think he's the sixth best player in the uh, in the draft. Uh, I could hear an argument for him. I, I think Drysdale plays the position that the Red Wings least need in their farm system because they have Heronic, uh, Cider, Chuomisto already coming up on the right side. But if you'd be like, yeah, well, none of them are as good as Drysdale will be and he'll be the number one guy on the right side. Cool. I'll hear that argument. Not what I would do, but I absolutely understand it. And hey, they tried playing Heronic on the left side. So maybe that's a plan. Uh, If they pick anybody beyond that, I think I would say I have mild disappointment with the pick, no matter how much I like Alex Holtz and Cole Perfetti and Anton Lundell, if they want to caught Kanyemi this, or even Askarov. 
I, I wouldn't hate those players. Um, I wouldn't like him at that pick. And if they pick Jake Sanderson, I might actually melt down. But yeah, th- those are the three that I, I'm personally looking at at pick four is Raymond, Rossi, Drysdale in that order. Yeah. And other guys that are going to be in play here. Um, we have, there, there's usually every draft high end players who get phased out because they are over scouted and people just fixate on the players they like the most. And we are extraordinarily guilty of that. We try to get better about it every year and then we get slapped in the face with the more cider at six overall about like 20 picks earlier than he should have been taken or presumably should have been taken. Uh, so I think the, the person, the, the player suffering the most from that in the rankings this year is Cole Perfetti. Um, and that is something that we, should and will uh, work to correct in terms of at least exposure to the kind of player that he is because um, there has been at least one source so far who's saying that he is bonafide the fourth overall pick to Detroit, uh, both because of where the consensus rankings have him internally in the NHL and because of his connection to Detroit with Saginaw, who apparently uh, we forgot to mention that Chris Osgood is a part owner of Saginaw, is it? I, I did not know that. Evan, can you look that up quickly while we um, – I, I vaguely remember uh, former Red Wing being a part owner, but I forgot that it was Ozzy. Anyways, uh, Cole Perfetti is another player who we will go back over, and I have done no, almost nothing since yesterday besides watch Lucas Raymond and Cole Perfetti highlights. Um, but he is another one who's in play for the Red Wings and who would be a more than viable pick for fourth overall and a more than viable option for a guy who could possibly end up being one of the best players in the draft. Yes, um, Chris Osgood is a... Yeah, they're part of the ownership group. Sorry, I was just reading this article because, of course, they put what position they got at the very, very end. Yeah, so the the... The Red Wings are by no means automatically thinking the same way as us. Actually, the Red Wings GM is um, Steve Eisman, who lets no information out. So we are not going to know until two days before the draft when J.D. Burke tweets, oh, yeah, the Red Wings are thinking of taking Helga Grons at fourth overall this year, by the way. Um, <laughs> whatever is going to go on with that organization. But still, it, it, it's not automatically going to boil down to Raymond or Rossi, which is what a lot of people are thinking. Um, again, Drysdale, we talk a lot about positional need. But you have to think, if the Red Wings think that Drysdale is going to be like a Makar type or a Heiskanen type, then that's the automatic pick. Bar none, like no doubt in my mind, you have to take him. It does not matter who you have at that position. And you also have to consider the way Steve Eisenman is looking at that at this franchise's rebuild. I mean, we saw it yesterday when he went on the postgame presser. I love Stevie so much. He's just like, no bullshit. He's like, yeah, what else are you expecting? The numbers are stacked against us. Like just taking no prisoners he, he's not going to sit there and complain like we do like this is that's why this guy's a gm you need a steady hand and someone who cuts through all the crap to get through what is going to be a long and painful rebuild so if you're steve eisenman and you know this rebuild is going to take a long time further than right now you don't care about how you build the pieces because what we're thinking is well they already have cider on the right side and what would be best as a next piece to fill this in nice and clean would be a star centerman or this player or that player but if you're steve eisman and you're like well no i view jamie drysdale as the best available player at number four and sure we're, we're drafting the right-handed defenseman earlier than anything else but it doesn't matter because we still need you know three or four more years then you're taking jamie drysdale so he's very much on the board as well this pick for detroit is wide open and as much as it kills me to say Lars, I can hear you from here. Yaroslav Askarov's on the table. I don't think 
he would be drafted fourth overall, but you cannot rule it out. And you can also not rule out a trade back to pick someone like Yaroslav Askarov or Lucas Raymond apparently is dropping in a lot of scouts minds. So he shouldn't be. Can we talk about Cole Perfetti though? Sure. I like Cole Perfetti, small, highly skilled, gifted hockey player. I have a major concern with his game, though, which is why he's at number 10 on my rankings. It's I don't want to just say, hey, small forward, beware, because Raymond and Rossi are small forwards, and I have zero concerns with them. The number one thing I've personally noticed over the years of players who struggle, who dominate junior but struggle to make it in the NHL is pace of play. Raymond and Rossi do what they do, and they do it very fast, mentally and physically. Perfetti slows the game down when he has it, and that works for him in in junior because he can outthink and outskill all his opponents. That isn't necessarily going to happen at the NHL. Now, he's still in my top 10, so I'm still betting on him being good. But I have, I think out of every projected top 10 pick, he has the biggest uh, asterisk next to him uh, for risk. So... As much as I would love to sit here and say I'd be comfortable with taking him at four, I don't know that I would be. I, Man, I, I'm all for swinging for the home run, but I think you got a few more easier home runs to hit with with less chance of it turning into a pop-out. So, I mean, I, I get it. I absolutely see what people are seeing, but I also think that it's easy to overlook the fact. And Perfetti is one of the few prospects this week I've had the benefit of watching live. And I was super curious to see if what I was watching on TV held up when I was actually in the building um, because I was at uh, one of the games when Saginaw came to Kitchener. No, Kitchener locked him down. He got nothing going in the offensive zone for the exact reasons I was talking about. And admittedly, Kitchener had one of the stronger defenses in the OHL. But do you know what's better than Kitchener's defense? Any NHL defense. So, again, not going to get on my like Kirby doc, like soapbox with Perfetti like I did last year, but it is man. When I see, Oh, he's a lock at number four, eh, pump the brakes there. The, so the counter arguments that I've read to Perfetti, cause my general notion, Brad was the same, like watching Perfetti. I'm like, yeah, the dude's highly skilled and his hockey sense cannot be questioned. His playmaking and his finishing abilities are like fantastic, but it's just feels like the snail's place snail's pace. And um, I think a lot of it is him slowing the game down, which is a supreme talent for a player to have. There are players at the NHL level to do that, but it's, I also saw from him, like the lack of when he needed it, the ability to get away from checks or get away from the defender it wasn't excelling at that. So, you know, you, you take yourself out of the play a lot of the time, unless of course you're so skilled that you can overcome that by making the play before that happens, which is a thing which is what Cole Perfetti is apparently touted to be able to do. Not only that, his his coaches and his teammates and his general manager all said things like, A, yeah, he slows the game down to his pace intentionally. B, he makes the right decision early on, so he doesn't allow the play to collapse in around him. And C, they say he hasn't, he's not exactly advanced physically. You look at someone like Quentin Byfield, who's massive. The guy is advanced physically. He's beyond his years. Cole Perfetti is the opposite, apparently, according to these guys. They say he's still has a lot of physical growth to do and, and that skating is part of that. So this is a guy where if you can work on his skating and his edge work and his, you know, sh- short bursts of agility and breakaway, like a b- ability to break away from checks, 
Then you have someone, you fill out one asset or one aspect of their game, and then you have someone who should have gone in the top three. And that's the thing. You want to hedge your bet on that if, if that's your read on it. I mean, unless you're the Arizona Coyotes, you haven't done a physical with this guy. So you you uh, don't know whether that's the case because you haven't done a combine with him. But that's something that the Red Wings are going to try to be able to try to figure out if they're drafting him fourth overall. Because truly, you add uh, – say give, give Cole Perfetti Lucas Raymond's um, skating abilities. Where does he rank for you? Probably still just a hair behind Lucas Raymond. <laughs> But not that far. Again, just because Ray- Raymond, to me, like I said, he, he's got everything you want in a small winger. He, he does everything. And not that Perfetti can't. I just, he hasn't done it all yet. Um, and again, if he was a little faster, maybe he would have. But it, it's hard to say for sure. So I'm, I'm going to still stick with the guy I know can and has done it. But then Perfetti, in my mind, is absolutely in the conversation with Raymond and Rossi if if his pace picks up. So we're, there's going to be a lot of talk about this fourth overall pick. And like, not that we would have preferred anything other than Lafreniere or then, you know, the second pick or then the third pick. But what the fourth pick does allow us to do is have a, a world of options because that's what's presented to, to Detroit here. So we're going to be talking about this a lot between now and the draft. And one thing that I will preemptively warn you that we're going to be guilty of is. <laughs> sometimes getting so wrapped up in what you know our ideal way of rebuilding the the red wings is and losing sight of the fact that a rebuild never goes how you expect it and it never pans out how you expect it washington didn't win the stanley cup until after their supposed window was was closed or it was closing or you know they had missed their opportunity Um, and the same thing goes for rebuilds so you know we might be thinking Oh, the Red Wings decor. And I, I tweeted this today. I said the Red Wings decor isn't fantastic, but it's in a relatively good place with Heronic and Sider and, you know, Cholosky if he works out and Tuomisto and Johansson and, and, um, McIsaac and, you know, all of these guys. I'm like, that's actually not terrible. And I think the holes up front are way more important to fill. But like I mentioned before, this rebuild is going to be long. And Eisman's likely take here is he wants the player who can be the surprise best player of the draft. He wants who he thinks is best. So isn't that, that Marco Rossi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be. <laughs> and Marco Rossi playing for Ottawa, an area that uh, Steve Eisman spent a lot of his life in. I'm sure he has a lot of familiarity with him, too. He probably has a lot of connections there. And, Frick, if you want Steve Eisman's prototypical player... A center who plays both ends of the zone at a near elite level, who works his damn ass off every shift. Come on. It's like Marco Rossi was made to be drafted by Steve Eisenman. I mean, it, Raymond kind of fits that description too, but Rossi, yeah, is the extreme end of it. You want to hear um, this this galaxy brain best case scenario that was floating around on Twitter last night for the Red Wings that actually kind of makes a little bit of sense. So if you're the Ottawa Senators and you have the third and fifth pick, what's your ideal scenario? Probably getting an elite forward and an elite defenseman. Since the only likely elite defenseman in this draft is Jamie Drysdale, you probably want to get Jamie Drysdale with one of those two picks. But you look at the Red Wings defense and go, hmm, I'm not sure he's going to get past fourth. As much as you like Tim Stutzla and Quentin Byfield, do you take Jamie Drysdale at three? If the Ottawa Senators have Stutzla, Raymond, and Rossi all pretty closely ranked, why wouldn't you 
take the defenseman at three, so Detroit can't get him. Detroit takes Stutzla, let's say, if Byfield goes second. And then you're sitting there at five, and you still get Raymond to Rossi. You get your two positions that you wanted. Detroit benefits a bit because Stutzler Byfield falls to four. Both teams win. It's it's out there, but it's not the craziest theory I've heard. That's really the best case scenario is a player to fall. Yeah. If if anybody other than Byfield or Stutzler goes two or three, the the Red Wings are happy. It's a no-brainer. This, this whole rant and manic depression has been for... Out we can throw it out the window. Out the window. I mean, um, I still would have preferred Lafreniere, but that's whatever. We've we've already done that this episode. The there we are going to talk in future episodes about trade options. We are in both directions, and we are going to talk in future episodes about you know everything surrounding the wackier things that could happen. So if we don't address that this episode, and we don't you know answer all the Patreon comments about that, know that we will get to it. Um, Okay, so the the last, maybe one of the last things here before we get to this swath of Patreon comments is um, what are the chances that as the order stands right now with no trades, someone like, say, LA picks someone who's not Byfield or Stutzla, second or third? LA, I think it's slim to none because even though their biggest positional need is on defense, I mean, Quinton Byfield and Tim Stutzla are pretty damn good. I'd say Otto, I'd give it a 25% chance because the, the Drysdale theory actually does make a lot of sense in my mind, but without knowing how they rank Stutzla, Byfield, Raymond, Rossi, it's just guesswork. I think the top three are locked, um, but we've seen it before with Seth Jones, with Philip Sedina, that anything can freaking happen on draft day. So if if... Anyone out of the two three spot isn't Stutzler or Byfield, we win. So please, yeah. <laughs> please God. <laughs> I think I think there is a small chance that LA will be looking at Drysdale. Um, I think they would be more likely to say, "Hey, Detroit, trade us, you know, pick whatever, and you're first for um, pick two, rather than just taking Drysdale right straight out." Because I think, yeah, the gap between two and three and then the field behind them is too significant to just give up that value but like evan said we've seen people do stupider things this is the only trade proposal i'm going to put forward here before um before you know putting the the trade conversation for a future episode um pick two for pick four and pick 32 do you do that if you're detroit or do you do that if you're la pick four and 32 for two yeah if i'm detroit i i don't do that I don't, I don't think this year. I think Detroit will get someone elite with four, and I think there'll be some pretty good players sitting around at 32. I've been torn about that all day, and I think I land where you guys do because 32 has the potential this year for like another Valeno type situation where a first round, it happens every year where a first round pick drops or a first round value drops. It always, always happens. And whether they pan out to be a first round player, well, that depends on that draft year overall. But again, we talked, this is a very talented draft year. Um, but I don't know if you view Quentin Byfield as a, if your, if your assessment of Quentin Byfield is he is a superstar centerman who's being overscouted and undervalued. Is he this year's Jack Eichel? He's not. We knew who Jack Eichel was going into his draft year. We knew what McDavid and Eichel were. That was not a surprise to anyone. They panned out exactly as they were expected. But if you view 
Quentin Byfield or Tim Schutzler, like as well, because I know he might be consensus even higher than Byfield now. But if you view either one of them as a bona fide superstar, this guy will be your number one centerman or your best, the best player in your team and, and among the top 10 players in the NHL. Maybe you had your bets with a 32nd pick and a fourth pick. I don't know. I wouldn't, I would not be mad at that. I could not possibly be angry if that was the trade that was made. But, but again, it's all based on opinion, right? Do you know who else I think could potentially be a number one centerman in the NHL? Marco Rossi. Yeah. So do I think that Quinton Byfield is so far ahead of Marco Rossi that I'd be willing to give up another potential second line winger or a second pairing defenseman to get him? Probably not. And that's fair. That's fair. And the beauty is I have a million more opportunities to bring up these hypotheticals to you. Okay, uh, within the realm of the draft lottery and everything that's happened, because that's what we're keeping today, too, we're not going to be talking about return to play this episode. We're going to save that. We're not going to be talking about anything else that's happened. This is purely just draft lottery and and talking with the fans. Oh, and we haven't even told them what's coming on the midweek episode. Oh, yeah. Um, we are going to be doing our first official winged wheel podcast mock draft after knowing where the Red Wings are drafting. So you, can, you guys can look forward to that on the midweek episode and... A week from now, we have a very special, exciting guest star coming up. So we'll keep that a surprise for you. Um, that one's going to be a lot of fun. I'm positive that one's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, I have so many questions. Um, anything else that we want to tackle before jumping into Patreon, guys? No, okay. that's enough self I know this is going to be 18 years worth of questions, so let's just start. Yeah, so we have a record number of Patreon questions. Um what I'm going to do, guys, is I'm going to read them all. Um, but for ones that ha- either have asked questions that we have answered or talked about during the episode or are asking questions that we are we know for a fact that we're going to be talking about in future episodes, we are just going to, in the interest of time, uh, move along from those for now. And um, apologies if you want to yell at me, uh, tweet at me, or DM me or something. And I promise you your question will get answered in some capacity in the future. But we have... Um, I believe over 70 comments here today. So, <laughs> oh no. I heard it was 55 a few hours ago and thought, oh my, 70. Look, look I love, I'm not even kidding. I love the fact that we've built a community so much where this is where people are coming to talk. Like, I can't tell you how much it means. Guys, we had over 1,200 concur, over 1,250 concurrent viewers on our live stream yesterday. Start we had questions. Yeah, nah, Ryan, we're not getting on the soapbox right I'm now. Pulling, I love I'm these people. I'm pulling my bed in here if, if you don't. It, it's 1030 and this might take an hour. Let's go. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry for not muting yesterday when I thought I did. You guys couldn't hear me, but they actually could. You know when I said I, I'm going to mute? Oh, you just muted us. You didn't mute your broadcast. I think, yeah, my broadcast, the, the broadcasting software I use. So they... <laughs> They hurt so much. So someone clipped it. It was actually funny as hell. Um, okay. Overtime. Uh, this is unexpectedly Patreon exclusive. Um, Reddit and Twitter will, we will bring you in for the midweek episode. Uh, Jacob Lozon says, I hate the hockey gods. Josh Terrell says, to be or not to be, that is the question. Evan Pardo says, so out of the play in teams, who would cause the least amount of pain to watch when first overall, who causes the most pain? It's all pain, just varying level. Thanks, boys. Uh, answered that earlier with our tears um, and our tears. Connor Leighton says, am I allowed to swear on here? If so, heck, if not double heck. Matt Cheney also asks, can I swear here? 
I want to let my inner Evan out. No? Family friendly, you say? Fine. Holy frickin' frick, you frickin' fricks at the NHL fricked this up so bad it's unfrickin' believable. Of course, in the worst possible outcome uh, happens, of course, we can't have nice things. Draft lottery discourages tanking. Yeah, right. All I'm hoping for now is for Detroit to be bad, be bad for two more years so we get Shane Wright. Call me a bad fan, but we know how this team will get better. It'll get better through a young superstar. We might get that at fourth, but hell, with the way things are going, I can guarantee Eisman drafts Drysdale at fourth. Thanks for the live stream guys it was fun while it lasted c nod says i love double dipping which is exactly what this was whatever wings get raymond fourth trying to think outside the box since i'm sure everyone is feeling the same as i am so let's talk coaching because nothing makes y'all happier than talking about blash so it didn't seem that he lost the room this year but he lost the fan base three years ago do you think stevie will force his hand more uh by more often by altering the roster so he has to play different players. I don't think it's in Stevie's style, but it's more of a money ball type situation that somehow or somewhat forces the coach to play younger players and not allow for anyone to lose a system or bad mentality because they are going to lose either way. But NHL playing time is valuable for those 2016 to 2018 players trying to crack the lineup. Um, we are not going to see any interference from Eisman. Uh, if Eisman decides that he's not satisfied with Blashill as a coach, he'll, he'll fire him. That He's not going to milk it along. I think he's on thin ice. You can't come off a 17-win season and repeat that performance. So as bad as we all think the Red Wings are and will be, they have to be better than 17 wins, or I think that'll be a... I don't know if Blashill makes it to midseason at that point. Yakaruta says, when are we burning down the NHL? Also, apparently the CBA talks are going well, and that means Detroit will not be getting compliance buyouts. So we have that going for us. Going to drink in a park on Saturday. Who cares about COVID now? On an additional note, I looked at the top defensemen available in free agency. Not a lot of good defensemen available. Or how do we feel about Dylan, Kulikov, DeMello, and company? No. Not thrilled by them. Chris Smith says, Lucas Raymond, hype train, baby. I fawned over this guy for two years and I might be finally getting my wish. I just wish it wasn't like this. Anyway, since you guys have answered who at four twice an episode for the entire season, I don't have a question. I do have a statement. Fuck the draft lottery. Chris, bless you. Sean Chavarella says, Arizona will get Lafreniere. Dylan Krill says, who is your top five defenseman in this draft and who do you want the wings to aim for in the fourth round if available? Thanks, boys. Hope all is well. Oh, Ryan, you go first. I got to pull up my uh, rankings again top here. five defensemen is uh, Drysdale, Sanderson. Uh, I I'll go. Okay, I got my list up. Uh, just keeping in mind the amendments I have made. All right, uh, Drysdale, Sanderson, Andre, Poirier, and Gooley. Yeah, Emil Andre, I think gets gets overlooked quite a bit. Um, I would probably have him. Drysdale, Sanderson, yeah, I'd have Andre Poirier as well, and then yeah, Gooley. I'm I'm looking into the second round here. This is a really bad draft for defensemen. Holy it's, crap. It's not a good defensive draft. No. Who Ryan O'Rourke, I guess, makes a case. Maybe yeah. O'Rourke over over Gooley. Um, okay. That's why you uh, gotta get your defensemen early, guys. Yeah. And <laughs> the good forwards will fall. 
John Evans says, hey guys, greetings from Ohio. Boy, am I tired of hearing how Eisman and Marner were fourth overall picks as though it's even remotely relevant. I did tweet that out and I tweeted it because I'm petty and I was looking for any excuse to be happy. I'm not sorry, but I understand if you're mad at me. Um, goes on to say, you know who else was a fourth overall pick? Stephen Weiss. He was a solid player when he was younger, but still a significant step down from first overall. Other notes or fourth overall picks include Griffin Reinhardt, Adam Larson, uh, Zherdev, Pitkinen, and any, and if any of you, uh, if any of those have you asking who, that's exactly my point. I'm hopeful something good will come of this, but let's stop acting like Marner and Eisman or rules. They were exceptions. Nick Hill says the NHL got what they wanted. A playoff team is getting Lafreniere while the worst NHL team in decades picks fourth. All that there is to do now is to keep a positive mindset and remember that Stevie Y was a fourth overall pick. (laughs) The juxtaposition is amazing. uh mark says i don't know about you guys but i'm rooting for coronavirus if there's a massive outbreak in the first round causing the league to shut down before the eight first round losers can be determined does everyone move up a spot or do they redo the lottery no the answer to this is that the nhl will take the eighth to 15th worst uh win percentages at the time of the stoppage of the season and they will be the ones entered into the little friend lottery with the same one in eight odds if it seems contrived it's because it is um and reminding us that Eisman was a fourth overall pick just infuriates me even more, Ryan. Don't try ruining my night of rage drinking. I have had this plan since the lottery was announced. Look, man, I was a lot of beers deep when I tweeted that out. RC Tendy says, excuse my profanity, but what in the blatant furk is this shit? I mean, we all knew this is what how it was going to end up after we saw the lottery proposal. The NHL is the most poorly ran professional league by a long shot. I swear they find any possible way they can do they can to F over Detroit every year. So F Batman, F Bill Daly, and F the playoff team that won the first pick. I yelled at my TV for a good 90 seconds saying how dumb the NHL is knowing they couldn't hear me, but hoping if enough of us were yelling, they'd know. Okay, rant over. They may have heard us from where we are. Hopefully LA decides they need defense and take Drysdale second overall or Ottawa takes Rossi since he was right down the road from them, either allowing Stutzler or Byfield to come to Detroit. If not, I'd be happy with Raymond, then Rossi, then Perfetti. Thankfully, we all have something to look forward to. P.S. Congrats on the successful live stream. Over 1,300 viewers. The WWP family is strong. Was it 1,300? Jesus. Misery Uh, loves company. Caffeine Overflow, who I believe is a new patron, says, yeah, says first time commenting as a patron. Sorry, it has to be now. Broke out the good bourbon because I need something to be happy about while also trying to forget about what happened until my Blackhawks fan fiance reminds me that they have a better chance at both the cup and number one overall than we do. Wow. I'm sorry you have to call off your marriage, but uh, I'm glad you did find us, your new family. On to the question now. How much of a chance do you think we have of getting Stutzla at number four now that we know the order? Uh, number one will obviously take Lafreniere, but since LA is in need of a defenseman, do you think there's a chance they take Drysdale over Byfield? Uh, Drysdale and Byfield falls to Ottawa at three. I'm going to call it a 1% chance. Nah, I'll call it a 5% chance. 25%. What, you think it's a one in four shot? Stutzla yeah. falls to four? Buddy, go look at the... Every year, go look at the draft rankings in the top three and how it actually goes. It more often than not strays from the script. Remember, Matthews, Line, Puglia, Yarvi were a lock for the top three all year, and it didn't happen. I'm just saying, man. It's it the top three never goes according to script. Yeah, I'd I'd say it's greater than twenty percent chance. I happens. love you guys and your optimism. I just think like th- two to four is such a wash that there might, there's going to be chaos. This is the 
the draft class where there's going to be cha- there could be chaos like it's the perfect ingredients and and ryan let's not forget on this very podcast for the last six months we've been saying jamie drysdale is the wild card that could throw a wrench into this whole draft because he is the well teams also view jake sanderson but there is no other top end defenseman and someone's gonna reach and again if ottawa's dead set on getting a defenseman in one of their two picks they'll have to do it at three because they're they can't guarantee detroit won't take him you know i i know i spend 90 percent of my guy my time yelling at you guys for various reasons um, but I do appreciate that you have through no, uh, fault of my own have become two of my best friends because you did give me a lot of optimism just now. So thank you for that. There, You're there you go. No, shut up. Okay. Just shut up for one second of your life. No. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Matt Haggard says they did it. They really went and did it. The NHL has taken the only possible happiness wings fans could have wings fan fans could have this year and toss it to some team that doesn't really need it trying to think positive here's my prediction for the top four picks taylor hall is if uh taylor hall effect is in place so the yotes blow up spectacularly losing their play-in series and then winning the first overall pick i promptly buy lafreniere kachina jersey Ooh, yeah. good call yeah the la kings are not smart and do not smart things they select jamie drysdale second overall the ottawa senators do the smart things and draft quentin byfield third the red wings begin phase two of their construction of the Mannheim steamroller and select tim stutzler fourth overall any outcome other than this is wrong and i will cause time to reverse to the start of the draft until the correct reality unfolds if you need me i'll be drowning in lake superior somewhere off the <laughs> Kawina Peninsula. I love the Time Lord aspect to this, so thank you. It's very um uh final boss of um Doctor Strange. What's his name? Morgoth I can't remember what it is. Uh Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, here's where I'm at. It was laugh and then everyone else. If we didn't get first overall, l- laugh being Lafreniere. If we didn't get first overall, which was oh so unlikely, I think we have equal opportunity for an epic player. Fourth feels on paper like a loss, but we'll be picking from at least one of Byfield, Stutzla, or Rossi plus the rest of the pack. It's not all bad. The luck would have been nice, but this is the tough road of a rebuild. Let's go, Red Wings. Wise words, Garrett. Joseph Delia says, Hey guys, anything new? Oh, what? Oh, that happened? No, really? So they gave it to a playoff loser? Huh. Well, fuck. Say it, Ryan. Express your listeners' anger. I actually have uh, let it slip a couple times this episode. Some accidental and some not. Um, Kalen Wood says F. Into that, I say F. F. Say it, Brad. Say the thing. Thank you. Alex Ott says, All aboard the Marco Rossi train. Of all the players that are not Lafreniere, Byfield, or Stutzla, I think Rossi is the best chance to be the biggest needle mover. Oh, and also the draft lottery is a joke. That is all. Uh, Peter Ploshahansky says, Have you guys ever heard of whaling something into existence? What's it matter? We're picking fourth anyway. Team Chaos, where have I heard that before? All joking aside, that was one of the hardest nut punches I've ever felt. On a brighter note, I live in Chicago and it flash flooded during the lottery. And after the horrible news, there was a rainbow outside. Rainbows symbolically stand for hope, good fortune, and serenity. It's going to be okay, right? Let's go Red Wings with a crying emoji. Yeah, man. Sure. Nicholas C. Uh, DiMarcurio says, This joke of a leak has killed so many Red Wings fans. I just want you guys to say that out loud. For every armchair expert out there that believes in punishing teams who tank and take for granted the diehards that keep this league on life support, just realize they are most likely regurgitating lines from a talking head. Pour one out for your buddies. 17 dog shit wins wasn't enough. In conclusion, stay classy, boys. I don't know how you guys create content off of this tire fire. I appreciate the laughs, though respect and let's go red wings nicholas thank you for the um dark but true statement darren helm stand club says i'm drunk no helm talk not tonight 
Liz B says, even though this is what I expected, I'm still pissed off. We have to deal with that dumpster fire of a season, and the payoff is the fourth pick. Football and baseball don't do draft lotteries, so why does the NHL? How are awful teams supposed to get better when the teams that don't suck nearly as much keep getting these top three picks? This makes no sense. And a play-in team, really? It just had to be a play-in team. Now, I want teams like Pittsburgh... Now I have to want teams like Pittsburgh and Chicago to win because I don't want them getting Lafreniere. Any team out West that isn't Chicago is a preferred spot. If it has to be in the East, I'd be fine with Columbus, either New York team or Carolina. Adam Kosert says, uh, or Kosert says, like everyone else, I'm pissed and angry about this joke of a lottery. But what really blows my mind is the plan the NHL has come up with if the season gets canceled before the play-in series happens. Why well, have another lottery between the 7th, 7th to 15th place teams for the placeholder spots? I believe it's 8th to 15th. Um, imagine being the Jets knowing your spot won the lottery to get Lafreniere and you get ye old NHL treatment and get raw dogged into the 15th pick because of an unnecessary second lottery. Anyways, congrats to the Canadians. You have a star French player and congrats to whoever Ryan has to pay to replace his windows. They're getting a major payday. Yeah, they were old windows. They were due to re- be replaced. Willow1771 says, okay, it hurts. Question, if the NHL after this crapshoot changes the system next year, but we had the best odds for first overall, but not the actually, but not actually the worst team, i.e. Ottawa, would you be still excited for the change, even if we didn't get first overall because of it? Short term, we'd be petty and salty, like Brad said about this year, but long term, we would see the benefit. Yep. I know I'd be thrilled because maybe we could finally see a shift to a fair system that allows teams allows uh, teams to return to form faster. Thanks for the continued content and congrats on hitting 1K stream attendees. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Joe Caboose119Z Falzone says, we're going to win next year's lottery in a weak draft year that will take us to Minnesota wild mediocrity for 10 years and waste Larkin's career. But I'll be reassured the following year after missing right and picking six by all the teams telling us that, hey, at least we finally got a lottery win. Vincent Saladino says, you know, I was pretty upset when I saw the wings fall to four, but it was most the most likely outcome, so I brushed it off. Then a placeholder team wins Lafreniere? What the actual fuck was that? You cannot convince me that this lottery was not rigged. I just don't understand why the NHL hates the wings. I, I don't think this lottery was rigged at all. I think this is just a good old case of plain and simple stupidity. Matt McKay says, how can the NHL think... This style of draft is good for the sport. I figured the Wings were going to get fourth. But come on, a placeholder team getting the first overall pick? This league is a joke. Cameron Brown says, I hope that I hope that Pittsburgh wins, that Edmonton wins, that the Leafs win, that Chicago wins. Please let the NHL's own plan provide conspiracy theories and jokes and satire because that's what this league is. There is zero, zero, nil, zilch, nada, integrity in this outcome. I hope this comes back to bite the NHL in the ass so hard. I've come back to hockey recently, and since Colorado had their own worst team of the cap era, and even though they're a hated rival, I feel like I would have called bullshit about them getting fourth overall after that season. This is not how you maintain parity. This is not how you maintain fair and honest play. This is not how you run a top-tier sports league. If reverse standings is such a terrible idea, why does the NFL, the largest sports entity in North America, if not the world, get away with it? Rant done. P.S. I'm the biggest fan of the Wings pick at number four, best player of the draft. Advanced Water says 2 out of 10. The NHL's writing is sloppy. The plot is thrown together and predictable. Oh, wow. A mystery team is getting first overall. No one saw that coming. I hope the playoffs don't happen so the NHL has to sit in their filth and scramble to come up with an equally dumb idea and wonder why most Americans don't consider hockey a major sport. 
James Phoenix, all the way from Australia, says, well, that was quite something, and this draft played out exactly as we all thought and suspected it would. Detroit being mathematically placed in its most likely position at four, and then the top pick going to a rather fortunate play-in team contending for the Cup. My interest is now what LA do at number two and how that could affect us. Do you think they go BPA and byfielder Stutzla, noting their prospect depth in that area, or do you think they trade they trade down to three or four for Drysdale slash Sanderson, given their need for blue liners and gain an asset in the prospect? In the process, I'm all in for Marco Rossi at this point. We answer that and we will talk about that more. It's also quite likely that I'm unconscious by this point trying to crawl into my own shoe after consuming the best part of a bottle of Glenfiddich 15-year special scotch malt after that shit show. Cheers, lads. The hashtag the Batman effect. Uh, check on James. Uh, Darren Helms, Stan, Darren Helms, Stan Club Stan, <laughs> which is rowan you've outdone yourself good day dud duds as official podcast owner i would like you to read the following statement on behalf of ownership to the listeners we don't have any words and we know you don't want to hear them (laughs) we understand your anger your frustration your sadness everything you're feeling we get it this isn't the ending we imagined and certainly not the one we wanted thank you for being there the entire way jersey time rank the following completely randomly selected jerseys Sudbury Wolves, Mannheim, Frolunda, Ottawa 67s, Erie Otters, Saginaw, uh, Jew, Jew Garden, is that how you say it? Jurgarden. Jurgarden and USNTDP. Stay fresh cheese bags or stay mad or stay sad or whatever. I don't care. I'm not the cops. That's Rob, who I assume has lowered his life expectancy this episode by raising his blood pressure to previously unreached highs. Okay. So Erie is very clearly the bottom there. Yeah. Um, trying to, I can't, uh, Ottawa. Lunda and they're definitely near the top. What were the other teams again? Uh, Ottawa 67s, yeah, are great. Um, oh, the Sudbury, Mannheim, uh, Saginaw, Jugarden. Saginaw second from the bottom, just ahead of Erie. Uh, Jurgarden third from the bottom. I'll put Sudbury in the middle. Yeah, but Ottawa and Lunda are reigning supreme here. And the USNTDB just- is middle of the pack. They're all right. I just hate the ads on European jerseys. Uh, Garden kind of have the, the, their crest is, their logo is a crest, which is boring, but they have the St. Louis Blues like uh, slanted striping going on, which I kind of It's all right. Think. They don't, they yeah. didn't do it as well as, as uh, the Blues did it. Why are there fireworks in my neighborhood? It's not a holiday. It's not even close. Um, they're fans of Team E. <laughs> Linda Hull says, so anyone want to take bets now that the mystery TBD team ends up being the loser of the Penn's Hab series? It sucks we fell to fourth, but I was prepared for that. I was not prepared for team TBD to win, but we should have known when they interviewed Lafreniere before the results. And can we talk about how bad the lottery show really was? What was the point of having the GMs and first responders on video feed when they didn't show the reactions? So stupid. Eric Eckstein says the winning lottery team is going to be Montreal, the Rangers. That's just how this works. Also, one of the most frustrating things is seeing people on Twitter say it's the Red Wings. They've won a bunch of cups. Who cares if they get furked or they deserved it for putting out such a bad team? They don't understand the complaints um, is the idiocy of the draft lottery. A team uh, team's past success shouldn't matter when discussing getting screwed by lottery balls. Lonnie Zone says, it occurs to me that every team probably feels screwed by the lottery if being pushed back three spots is the likeliest outcome. If it was Montreal's lottery ball that took the top spot, but they don't win the pick, they'll feel screwed. And if they do win, they'll still feel screwed that they had to win twice to get the pick. Falling nine spots in four years is literally overperforming as far as the NHL is concerned, which is sad and ridiculous. The system is just dumb. 
David says, do you think the uproar from the fan base like us in Ottawa will be enough to actually change the lottery system or will this keep going until Chicago or Montreal get dead last and drop to fourth? It won't happen until one of them do it, but they've both won lotteries before, so not likely. What would have changed it is if uh, the Austin Matthews year Toronto picked fourth. Um, Ethan Boulderson says, any comment on what the K on what KHL team I should support or what SHL team? I need some form of hockey while boycotting the NHL. Side note, does anyone know Gary Bettman's address? Just curious. Um, Fralunda in Sweden, big fan. Uh, and the KHL, oh, I was even looking at this, um, because you could apply for KHL teams on elite prospects. If you have an elite prospects page, I found out. <laughs> it was Be honest, of- Brad, have you done it? We're sending uh, Brad yeah, to the I, most. I, I, I did as a joke. I applied to a $200,000 a year job in the KHL. I have not heard a response. We're <laughs> sending Brad to the most northern town in Russia. They don't even have internet there. Look how pale he is. That's probably where he's from. Oh, man. I can't remember. There's one team with just like a great name, and I can't even find a list of teams right now if I can find it. Dynamo Moscow. Yeah. Uh, Avang- Avangard? Avangard? Oh, why is this website taking so long to own? Let's let's just Google best KHL teams. The stupidest. Do they not like? Oh, the website I have doesn't even give like the team name. It's just the city. Which Metalurg not- Magnitogorsk, Akbar's Kazan, uh, Lokomo- Oh, Lokomotiv Yaroslavl. That's who you should cheer for because they I need KHL team names. I don't need the city they're from. My decision will be made entirely. On how cool their team name is. Nick's, some, there's some I can't even pronounce. Oh, well, there's a lot well, that's I can't a, pronounce. That's a given. Um, Nick says, I was going to rant here, but since there's already 48, well, uh, comments, and you're probably going to set the record for Patreon comments. I'll keep it concise. I will never get over the fact that this league is so concerned about rewarding losing in the draft, even while they hand out points in the standings for overtime losses. Thank you, Nick. I could kiss you on the mouth. Thank you. Thank you. Incredible. Anyway, assuming the draft goes expected as expected, one to three, give me Raymond, Rossi, or Drysdale in that order. Anything outside of that group, and I'll be sort of disappointed, but I will give Eisman the benefit of the doubt. Wouldn't be surprised to see LA get queued at number two. They're very deep up front, especially at center. Jeffrey Carlton says, Ferk this league, I'm out. Can't believe how much of a joke the NHL is. No wonder why they rank behind all the other major sports. I could come to terms with the fact that they were going to drop, but a playoff team winning? They've lost me as a fan. I will continue to support you guys and your fantastic content. My Red Wings are the Winged Wheel podcast. Jeffrey, thank you. And I'm sorry about the pain. Brett, Brett S. says, Hello, gents. Can we please hope for the New York Islanders to win the lottery? I only say this because I want them to trade the first pick to Ottawa so they can take the third and fifth pick to select Raymond and Holtz. The world needs Raymond and Holtz playing in Brooklyn. <laughs> That's oh, funny. my God. Yes. <laughs> also, with this scenario, we get a shot at Byfield or Stutzla. That's all from Brett. Evan Beckner says, It's all just like, ugh, you know? Yeah, Evan. Yeah. Steve E says, brush up on your German, folks. Lafreniere, Byfield, Drysdale, Stutzla. Then at pick 32, Paterka. Download Duolingo and Fang and Deutsch zu Lernen. Good point. Moose says, what are the odds the Senators Galaxy bring themselves into Drysdale at three so Detroit doesn't trade down with someone wanting to leapfrog them at five? Um, Evan and Brad think pretty high. Matt says, all right, guys, it's us against the NHL at this point, so here's my hope. The playoffs get canceled, and they have to vacate the placeholder number one pick and move everyone up a slot. We get number three and take Stutzler or Byfield, and we get to give the league a middle finger for being stupid. I hope so, Matt. 
Eddie says, I keep seeing a lot of people talking about Cole Perfetti to the wings at four. Sad face. Um, look, there that's a very real possibility, and don't be too down about that too early. There are a lot of great options here, and don't count out Perfetti. Steve Eiserman is the most secretive GM in the NHL. There is nobody, and I mean nobody, on the planet who knows what the Red Wings are going to do at number four right now. Do you know who doesn't know what the Red Wings are going to do at number four right now? Steve Eiserman. Um, Arjun Shanker makes a fantastic point of, I mean, we literally knew this was going to happen, right? Yeah. Yep. We called this when they announced the lottery system. Most Red Wings fans called this when they announced the lottery system. You know, what was it, a month ago? We all knew this is how it would end up, the stupidest possible way. Michael Barry says, okay, well, if I'm Steve Eisman, I try to pull on Miami Dolphins and try to get Tim slash Quinton. For those who don't know, the Dolphins this season kept saying they weren't going to take Tua and kept leaking that they were drafting an O-lineman. Then when the draft came along because they were so good at misdirection, they didn't have to trade up to get Tua. If I'm, that's, oh, wow, great reference. If I'm Eisman, I start leaking that there's only one franchise defenseman in this draft and that there isn't a big difference between Marco slash Tim slash Quinton and hope that LA takes Drysdale due to their lack of depth at defense in the pipeline or have these rumors scare ottawa into taking drysdale at three for fear of missing out and i think it already started with helene st james article earlier this week that said the wings would take him fourth also an equally important announcement yesterday was that the cap is staying flat for the next three years so chris illich better open his checkbook so we can take advantage of some desperate teams hello vancouver joseph forney says uh hey there fellas from a respected sports journalist in the nyc area and these are all quotes. Uh, this is why we don't cover the NHL much. Your commissioner runs it like a game show. Red Wings GM Steve Eisman said, they have to do what they have to do. Anything I say is going to be self-serving. They have to do what they have to do. Brian Burke says, this is nothing short of a disgrace. Um, friend of the podcast, Scott Wheeler said, I'm sorry, Red Wings fans. I really am. Uh, you're a good bunch. John Keating said, mother of God. Anywho, Steve Eisman will take either Perfetti or Rossi calling it right now. Bet on it. If I'm wrong, I'll cancel my subscriptions to Pornhub, Barely Legal, Upskirt Jerk, and Better Homes and Gardens to become a name-level sponsor here. Mark my words. You fellas deserve it anyways for continuing to record twice a week during this darkest timeline. For all the shit we've put you through and for the 60-plus comments you just read out. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Stephen Clary says, so the NHL doesn't want teams to tank, yet we're going to have 16 teams tanking for that 1-8 chance at the number one pick. This league, man, can't get out of, can't get out of its own damn way. Cheers, all. It's going to be a lot of drinking until the wings uh, are back on the ice in Chuck's calendar. We're going to need a bigger kick. Just Your Average Teach says, Hey, guys, I know we're all sad about not getting the first pick, but I did watch a video of a guy showing that a team hasn't won a cup with the first overall pick on the team since Kane came into the league. It makes me feel a little bit better, hopefully. Stevie built a great team down south with non-first overall picks. Hopefully we can get some solid talent with our later rounds. It's all in the scouts now, but we'd still love to see Raymond Valeno Zudina line as a second line, or you can even put Stutzler there instead of Raymond if you want that. Either way, stay fresh cheese bags and always trust the eyes are playing. We're going to need uh, <laughs> blind optimism for a while to come. Okay, hold on. Wait, what? Did you say no team has won a cup with a first overall pick since 2010? Since Kane came into the league. maybe he. Did I miss all those Crosby and Ovechkin cups? Am I misremembering that? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> for three years in a, three of the yeah, last four years. Why did I years, believe that? Why did I believe the, that as I read it? The captain of those teams was the first overall pick. Do they mean like the first cup they won? Maybe uh, yeah, it didn't happen for a long time until Kane was what they meant. Yeah, so maybe the other way around because 
Nope, Pittsburgh in 09, <laughs> the year before. Yeah, 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 don't trick me, Teej. Uh, and finally, <laughs> Drunky the Dwarf says, I'm probably too late. No, you're not. Hey, man, we're reading these all. We love you guys. Says, but this is the worst collective mental breakdown I've seen from a fan base. I see a mock draft. We're going for uh, defensemen, and I'm super annoyed there aren't enough edibles in the world to stop the disappointment. <laughs> keep calm and watch golf i guess i really hope eisman works with the fourth overall player and teaches him a lot with a personal connection from a fourth to fourth uh perspective it makes him great we're now super fans of the fourth overall pick whoever he is thanks guys and take care all right guys um we've just concluded or are starting some of the most stressful times as a red wings uh fan base but do not forget that the fourth overall pick is going to be a fantastic pick. We are going to be with you this entire time to talk to you about what is the option, uh, what the options are for Detroit at number four, or what the options are for Detroit at number 32 and all their other picks. Um, we have mock drafts coming up. We have incredible interviews coming up. We have our um, expanded mock drafts with uh, Max and Prashanth coming up. We have a lot of great, fun content for you coming out. Um, hopefully the world, I mean, please... It's not looking so great in some parts of the world, but hopefully the world starts opening up a little bit more so we can uh, do some more things in terms of sending stuff to you guys. Um, we're here to commiserate. We're here to be upset and pissed off with you, and that's not going away. But can't say thank you enough for the support you guys have shown. Over a 1,000, over 1,300 concurrent viewers on the stream yesterday. Um, I think there's almost 9,000 views on that video now. Uh Thank you to all of our new listeners, all of our new followers. We love you all. Um, the content moving forward will be a little bit more structured than today. Today was kind of a special episode, uh, but we are in a morbid gallows humor kind of way looking forward to everything that's to come. So thank you guys for bearing with us on this uh, funny episode. I'd like to thank all of our listeners. If you guys want to support the show in, in a way other than Patreon, um, leaving us a rating on iTunes does the world for us. So, I mean, five-star ratings, like it's silly how much it means but if you guys could do that that'd be fantastic if you want to if not that's cool uh thank you just for listening i'd like to thank all of our patrons our name level sponsors the septic tank of that bitch carol baskins greech jeremiah adobo jake Kiefer, by felicia drunky the dwarf brad smith andrew bohan scott martin jacob turner matt mckay brandon m matthew m rice luke johnson clayton van dyken kaylin wood Hassam al Qasem, Arjun Shanker, who messaged me soon after and said, shit's fucked, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Chris Ripley, Alex Ott, uh, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Kawaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you, guys. We love you. We'll get through this together. I think. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.